Hi, I'm Miss Banner, and I'm a high school history teacher. And I'm Miss Perez, and I teach English at Overbrook High School. And I guess the whole point that, or the whole reason why we're kind of starting this is, you know, with everything that's gone on in this past week with everything, you know, with George Floyd, and I think a lot of our students have reached out to us asking us what we can do. And I, I don't want to misquote you, Miss Banner, but I think we both feel kind of yeah. lost a little bit in Definitely. what we can do. I think uh, as a teacher, you want to help your students the best you can, but sometimes aren't really sure what that is and what that looks like. So I think by starting this podcast and by using this podcast, it would be to help give the students a better a resource, I guess, and a way for them to hear other voices and even express their own thoughts and opinions and share their own stories. I wasn't as exposed to racial injustice as so many people are because of the areas we grew up in. And it breaks my heart to see, honestly, a lot of our students going through things that they've gone through or growing up in this like really like heartbreaking environment. And I think with everything that's happened this past week, I, I'm just so sad and, and I want something, I want an outlet as well as I want the students to be able to have an outlet to go to. And I think if we, you know, bring in different teachers and maybe even different students to talk about their thoughts and their feelings about what's going on, and get their voices out there and maybe they want to be heard in different ways as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that has kind of been one of the tougher parts for me because like you were saying, living in this South Jersey area um, and where I went to school, like this wasn't so much in the forefront of my life and having you know, a lot of white friends with shore houses and whatever, you know, where you were like, this was never a topic that was really coming up in a lot of our conversations. And if it was, it was a joke or, you know, it would make me uncomfortable. And then I wasn't friends with those people anymore, but I never really knew how to share my own voice and how to stand up for myself and help myself. And I feel like in the past week, I've still struggled with that. Like, how can I, how do I voice what I'm feeling? How do I express what I'm feeling? How do I process all of these things? So I've like actually just been ordering a bunch of different books and trying to follow different people on Instagram. And so I think by using this podcast, it can help me find ways to express myself, but also since we're in this current pandemic, find a way to connect to the students and other staff members to also give them a way to discuss and express and cope with all of the current events, not even just necessarily George Floyd. Yeah. And I like the fact that you said you, you know, have been going out and getting books. I think that's kind of what this, the whole podcast with this, the cool thing about this is that like we both are teachers and obviously being teachers, the number one way that we want to like fix things is to like educate ourselves about them first I think yeah. which is interesting because uh, 
maybe not all teachers, but I know I, and I know you do too. Like we always think, I think a lot before we act. And mm-hmm. I think I want to, I want to read about everything. I want to watch every news article, like every news broadcast. I want to read every article before I really speak about something. Right. But I also want to hear other people's opinions as well. There's so many different resources and so many books and so many things out there. Like, so I was out just online, like Barnes and Noble and Amazon, just buying all these books. (laughs) And then I was overwhelmed by how many books, books I bought and all of the different resources and I was like wait how am I actually going to read all of these things so I think that I think what's been hard is in the pandemic and quarantine like you're can feel so isolated and for being a teacher I'm a social person. Like I like talking to people. I like being able to discuss opinions and, you know, I read this and you read that and coming to a more educated opinion and thought and response that from being home since March, I feel like that's kind of the part that I'm craving, which is why I think this podcast idea has so much potential. I think that this podcast can be a great way for conversations to happen and for people to feel connected again yeah I think it's particularly hard for you and I and I'm sure other teachers as well because the students do come to us when they want to talk about things so I think that also has been the struggle like we're getting these emails from students that are like they're not you know they're having a hard time processing their emotions with everything that's going on and I'm having a hard time being able to give them advice or want to talk to them through an email. Like, I think Mm -hmm. that's the hardest part. Um, So in my mind, my goal, if I can hear someone having an honest conversation opposed to an email, that means so much more to me. I personally really like to listen to podcasts because I like to kind of hear like a a tennis match, like going back and forth and learning new things. It's really hard to convey to the students how much, I feel for them or how much I want to help them through an email like in <laughs> I know and I feel like that's where I'm trying to through an email I feel like you're saying it's so hard to try to rein them in and tell them to be careful without them really understanding the tone and the emotion and that I feel behind that be careful you know um And I feel like that's where they feel lost. And that's where I feel lost. It's how can you, in a classroom, you'd be able to have these discussions and fill the students, fill their buckets in that way of, you know, okay, we can pause the lesson today. Mm -hmm. Let's just talk. Uh, Let's chat. I feel like with this podcast, you'd be able to have that talk, even if it's just with one or two students at a time. Mm Um, but other students could listen to it and it can spark further conversation with them later on. I think it's also a point to make that, you know, we teach at a high school that is extremely diverse compared to at least the high school that I went to. I tell the students all the time, you guys don't know how lucky you are to be at a school that is so diverse. But then I think during times like this, it makes it really hard because it is so diverse and they're the ones experiencing these feelings and emotions firsthand. Right. Right. 
Um, yeah, it's definitely been a difficult situation. It's definitely, I think, as a high school teacher, when I'm on Instagram or even on Twitter, I find that there are not very many resources for high school teachers. I feel like so many resources are geared towards elementary, even middle school, but there's not much for high school and especially not much when it comes to diversity. Like I feel like there's either these little picture books or these huge, super heavy books and not so many that are well known in between. And I know they're out there, but it has definitely taken me a lot of, searching to find those and to create resources to share with the students so I think like this podcast can help in bringing more of those resources to light for not just our students but for other students and other schools who might hear this from it being shared because kids are excited that they were on a podcast or whatever even if it only helps you know, one other student outside of our school or one other teacher, then I think that that's more than enough, like just to help other people find ways to mm-hmm. help their community without feeling they have to go out and protest and the protest turns into a riot and who knows how that ends up. You know, I think finding these healthy ways to express yourself is what is why I feel like this is so important. I think that's the the scariest part too. I think when you say like, oh, I can't convey saying be careful in an email. And that's my fear is I see, I see these protests and I, and they always start out as peaceful protests. And as a high schooler, you want to go out there and you want to join the protest and you want to be part of the cause and you want your voice to be heard. But um, if you can't help but see on the news these protests turning extremely violent and people getting hurt. And that's the part that I'm like, I would throw myself in front of my students to save them if I had to. I don't want them to put themselves in these really scary circumstances. But at the same time, it's hard to say, well, don't go and use your voice. Don't go out there and, you know, express your hurt and your feelings. But right. it's and scary. Right. And I think that they look to us to say like, yeah, go out there and, you know, protest and share that voice. But seeing over this weekend how the protests have turned into looting and destroying cities and communities, like, that's what I don't want these students to be a part of. That's not what a protest is. And a student messaged me the just today about you know upset that their mom didn't let them go to a peaceful protest literally quote peaceful protest Mm. um nearby and I said well your mommy I think her mom made a smart decision because all of these protests start off as peaceful like no one plans I'm gonna go out and riot and set places on fire and smash windows in it starts as peaceful but it literally only takes one person, one bad movement, word, action, whatever, to ter- turn a peaceful protest into a riot. 
And whether that person is a police officer or one of the civilians, like you never, you can't control everybody in that environment. And you don't know who's there. You don't know the reasons people are there. So to have, you know, high schoolers in that environment. And I told the student, I said, it would actually destroy me to know you went out into this protest that turned into a riot and into violence and something happened to you right um like like, this is hard enough already and then to hear you know god forbid something happened to i already feel like i can't process any of this and or i really can't cope with it i just feel like when i was in high school i didn't picture this being like America. I didn't picture this being the environment that I live in and this being what I'm still going, like what we all are still feeling. Like it's just, it doesn't feel real. And I don't under, I don't feel like if I can't process it as an adult, I don't understand how anyone younger could. Right. And And process it in a healthy way. I definitely like felt just so overwhelmed. Like I didn't want to see the video of the police officer kneeling on George Floyd's neck. No. Like I didn't want to. I was I couldn't. No, I mean, I'm going to be 100% honest. I haven't I saw snippets of it because I went to my parents this weekend. I had I never clicked on the video to watch it. I I can't I it, think I started watching it. I heard him yell out like twice, I can't breathe. And then I said, no, I can't finish this. I, I, I don't want to finish it. Like I could not stomach watching it. And so, you know, as an adult, not being able to do that, but also knowing, you know, okay, I've hit my limit. I need to... Mm-hmm pull back from the social media and pull back from exposing myself to all of this information. Um, But a high school student, you know, not necessarily knowing how to do that and just continuing to take in that information. Like I think so many of them now are on a potentially like a sensory type overload that they don't now I think are really just feeling like holy crap I don't really know what to do and the only thing I think I can do is join a protest because I don't know anything else when you think about the repetitiveness I guess for lack of a better word maybe of history Mm -hmm. like these riots have happened before the looting has happened before and it still doesn't work and so you know you're just continuing to destroy your own community in the looting and the rioting and I and I don't know you know like I I haven't ever Mm -hmm. been out and a riot you know like I wasn't in Philly burning buildings down I was at home uh because one that's where you're supposed to be during the pandemic but two because that's just not how I feel like I need to express myself but then I think you know I do understand people's anger and I feel like that looting comes from that pent-up aggression and not knowing what else to do 
But then it's, I wish I could also shake those people and be like, this is the only part that people are seeing. You destroying your own community and you destroying your own home. They're, and now people don't understand your message anymore. You know, like, I think when it gets to that part, that point of looting and rioting, now your message is almost gone. The message got lost in the violence. Right. Like, now you're just being violent. And now you're mm-hmm. almost feeding into that stereotype of you're just violent. Mm-hmm. Rather than being able to keep it peaceful and saying that I get, you know, this is my message. This is what I'm looking for. And this is what I want. But again, like living in an area where I've lived, although I can, you know, walk outside and people see I'm an African-American woman, um, I haven't lived in an area where that oppression is in my face, for lack of a better phrase, every day. I can walk around the block and my neighbor, who's a police officer, and I were having a very civil conversation this morning, um, walking our dogs. (laughs) So, um, and I graduated high school with him and he's a white male and we were had this civil uh, conversation, six feet apart, of course, um, <laughs> about, you know, yeah, that police officer was totally in the wrong and he totally did something horrible. But there has to be better ways for people to fight for what they want than destroying their community. It is interesting that you had that conversation this morning with the white police officer. I think a lot of our students right now too are viewing the police officers as an enemy and I don't blame them for that. So I think it's also big, like, I think it's important for them to hear too that, you know, not every police officer is is an enemy, but then I, I, I it's hard to preach that too. It's hard to preach that to them. I saw um, George Floyd's second grade teacher was on the news on like Friday, I think, and was saying when she was, you know, teaching, she's always saying like, oh, if you need help, go to the police. If you need help, go to the police. She always would say that. And she's like, but I don't know if I can say that message anymore to our young black men. And that, I was like, wow. Because you really, when you are little, view the police as like the people you go to for help. And do our young black men and women feel like, feel like that at all? Right. But I guess, I don't know. I feel like there's that idea of like, well, this, that one bad apple has now tainted the whole bunch right and I think that's where my hesitation like I think you just heard my like ah I don't know like comes from is that I know white male police officers in my life whether I graduated high school with them or they go to my local church or whatever and I know that they're such good people and I know that if they were to show up to a scene where 
I was, that they would be looking to help anybody who was there. And so I feel like that those bad apples ruining this whole bunch. Um, but I think the, the frustrating part is that those bad apples continue to be able to stay in the rest of the bunch and that, that, um, that is the issue. That is the fact that these bad apples can continue to stay in the bunch or, you know, they just lose a job here or there. Um, I don't know. Like there's just, it's crazy because I'm just sitting here and all these thoughts are popping through my head. You know, those whites, people who shot up schools, who just got handcuffed and walked out and they're still alive in this George Floyd maybe forged a check and you know he's dead like that that's where you know there's injustice right it's the injustice and it's are are the people who like the bad apple is a man who had his knee on George Floyd's neck the police officers who took out the active school shooters in history, like the, and handcuff them. Like those aren't the bad people. They're literally doing their job, you know? Right. 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 Yeah. I think that that's what I, in this past 30 seconds just processed is that's how it should go. Not kneeling on their neck and it leading to, death at some point you know um and so yeah like in my mind when you say that in my mind I'm like I wonder if the police officers that take out the school shooters and handcuffs would have done the same thing for like for George Floyd like are they were they the good apples and they just got in that situation or I don't know yeah I I didn't even, that thought didn't even cross my mind. America is built on this racist injustice ideal. And I saw a video and they're explaining, you know, 400 years of American history had 400 years to grow and develop and create and educate and slavery ending in the 1860s and then you saw Jim Crow which didn't end until 1965 and so 1965 like my parents were alive by then so you have about 60 years of what you're trying to call real equality um compared to a white person's 400 years and it was actually like a super eye-opening video for me because you can't fix everything in the 60-year span but I don't know that there's been enough steps to fix it in that 60-year span when you mentioned that it reminds me of when we went to see Jeff Mercy and I was like mind blown by the fact that it was illegal for black people and white people to get married until like 1964 or something crazy like that and I was like how is that even possible like my dad was born my mom would be my mom was born in 1964 like that 
wasn't that long ago. <laughs> what? Right. <laughs> like, uh, literally not that long ago at all. And I think that's where... I feel like that's where I end up buying all these books, you know, like to kind of bring it full circle, like, because I want to just educate myself on how new all of this is and where it's all rooted and where this all is coming from. I feel like, okay, I am not knowledgeable enough. That's why I, you know, just bought 10 books from Barnes and Noble because I, because I don't, I feel like I don't know. I feel like I'm not there enough. And I feel like that's where these high schoolers are now feeling lost is because the history that is taught to them is not focused on their african-american history besides reminding them year after year that they're slaves or were slaves yeah you were slaves but you also made amazing contributions to every part of american history and every part of american culture whether that goes known or not um right noticed or not right and i think that by me reading these books. I think that second piece gets lost a lot though what piece like the piece of I think at least in my own education I think it was very very relevant that like oh we'll talk about slavery and then we'll move on but we we never we spent like a day or two talking about like the attributions that African Americans have given actually to American culture right. and I think there's just not enough time spent on that like I remember learning about the fact that of where like the etymology of dreadlocks came from and that they weren't oh. called dreadlocks all the time they were just locks and then all of a sudden European culture came in and were like well they look dreadful so they oh. started and I didn't learn I that I didn't until... even know I've never learned that I think yeah right like I feel like that is so I was so intro like mindful I'm like wow how have I just learned this at like 27 years old that you know, it could potentially be offensive to call someone's hair dreadlocks because right. they're not, they weren't always called that. And then being like more hairstylist, just calling them locks. And I was like, oh, wow, this is really interesting. And I think that that is, I think that's been something huge in my life in the past couple of years is this newer kind of natural hair movement push is, you know, you have locks becoming more acceptable and braids and African head wraps and all of those things because African-Americans are finally comfortable in claiming their culture for what it is. And right. I think that that's such a huge movement, but you're claiming a culture that you don't know or fully understand. And I think that's where right. educating myself so then I can educate our students is my main focus is I just want them to learn this culture and understand it because I don't know it and I don't understand it and mm -hmm. I am teaching that new elective course and as I've been planning it I you know in a way feel inadequate to teach it because I feel like I don't know enough but I feel like because I'm 
I'm so into educating myself. I feel like I think I'll never learn, be able to know enough. Right. But then, I mean, that is really coming full circle now to where we started. This is saying the only way that teachers can cope with anything is by educating themselves. So I don't think we'll ever stop. Knowing as a teacher that I have to teach the information to others is where I continue to think I won't know enough. <laughs> yeah, because there's this responsibility of like, right, I, and and not that I want to look, I don't want to look dumb, but I don't want to yeah. tell someone wrong information or I don't want to offend anyone or I don't want to like, I, I, I'm not African-American, so I can't speak for, for you. I can't speak for your culture. Like, but all I, yeah. I can do is learn from others or learn from reading other books or having conversations and, right. and being an ally, whatever that may be. Yeah. And I think that, um, I think that that is just, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I am just not sure what, you know, even the next couple of months, I don't know what anything looks like moving forward, but what I know right now is the best way I've found to help myself in some way cope with this is by educating myself so I can educate others and yes I think that um that is my focus is I I don't have an interest in going out to a protest like even if we weren't in a pandemic honestly I probably would not go to a protest that's just not me I'd rather sit and read Mm -hmm. a book and learn something from it or listen to a podcast or watch a show, a documentary, something, and then talk to people about it and hopefully change their mind or help them unlearn something than Mm -hmm. go to a protest. I think it's okay. And I think maybe what a lot of our students don't know yet is that it's okay to say, that's not me and I'm not going to do it. I think a lot, I know when I was in high school, if everyone was going to a protest, like I was 100% going to go, even though I would have probably been crying in fear the whole time. But because I was a follower, I felt, I would have felt like, well, I have to go because everyone else is going. But in reality, like that wouldn't have been the best way for me to voice my, my thoughts or educate myself. Like you have to do what's going to, help you the most and I just don't think that it's through I I get again we go back to I get what they're initially trying to do I just hate the way that it it seems like it's turning turning and I don't know if that's the best way for everyone to educate themselves or to voice their opinions in a in a in a perfect world everyone would be able to go and silently protest and you would be able to speak your piece and people would be able to march with their, their signs and it would be a beautiful moment, mm-hmm. but something always goes wrong. Right. Like and more times than not, does it go wrong? So I, I don't know. I mean, you have CEOs and you have the janitor that cleans the CEO's desk or an office, but they're both as important. Um, Their jobs are totally different in helping things continue, you know? Um, And I think it's in the same way for 
people. You have people who are going to go out and feel they have to join this protest or this riot, but then you'll have other people who are going to have smaller sized discussions and share their voice in different ways. And I feel as a high schooler, you don't always know those other ways. And I think that's where this podcast would be so important is helping them show other ways. Like here are two teachers who don't fully feel comfortable going out to, um, going out into a protest. So they're going to create something else instead.